Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it. You'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com. So awesome, Jennifer. Welcome to the Bliss Business Hero Call. So excited to hear your epic Yoli story. Are you here? I am. I'm super excited to be here too, Richard. Well, let's get into it. So the first thing I want you to tell our listening audience is a little bit about your story pre-Yoli, pre-network marketing, who were you, where were you, what were you doing before you got introduced, and then I'm going to drill down on exactly who introduced you and how you were introduced. So give us a little background. That sounds great. Well, first, thank you. Very, very first thing is to thank you so much for Allowing me to share my story, Richard, you and Kimmy have um, had a huge impact on my life, and I'm very, very grateful. Um, well, basically, my story is I, uh, way back, was born in uh, South Korea and moved here to the U.S. with my parents to eastern Iowa of all places. And uh, I've told you previously that this has been uh, quite the journey for me. But um, I, you know, growing up, I always had instilled in me just to, work ethic and, and always believing that I could do anything. And um, I graduated from St. Ambrose University in Davenport, Iowa in 1994 with my bachelor's degree in psychology and occupational therapy. Um, it, you know, served me very well. For 18 years, I was um, uh, in a job with occupational therapy, either as a therapy manager or something that required me to travel all over God's green earth for many, many years. Um, but I just, I enjoyed it. In the, in the last uh, probably year of, of working in that profession, I just started to get, you know, very discontent and, um, you know, just wanted to have more in my life and didn't have a whole lot of time freedom and always away from my kids and my family. And uh, so I kept looking and I ended up starting my own uh, business as um, an occupational therapy. Uh, it's basically staffing and providing educational seminars for healthcare providers. And uh, that business failed terribly, and um, that was about a year. And uh, I, I just remember thinking to myself, what in the world am I doing? And just, I just kept looking for something that could be give me some more freedom and, and flexibility for my family and things like that. So that didn't work out. And so then I started another company, um, Crossroads Orthotics, and uh, I had to sell that in two years, mostly because I didn't have any time and I, and I could not support everything that that company required. So I sold that company and went back into the standard occupational therapy 
profession, and um, I just I was I was just never content in just doing that. And I honestly I didn't know at that time what I was looking for, or what was going to be happening to me in the next uh, couple of years. But um, well, yeah, think, so that's where I was. I think you might have uncovered a secret to extraordinary network marketers. I mean, what better <laughs> occupation? and training for being a successful network marketer than to be a psychologist and a specialist <laughs> in occupational therapy. I mean, that's yes. what we do, isn't it? We, right. we, we treat people who are sick with their jobs. Right. And maybe that's not how they intended that <laughs> occupation, but I think it's perfect <clears throat> for network marketing. Yes. So obviously you were open and yeah. – you know, consistent with, you know, what we tell people is, you know, no matter what you say to people, what really matters is when you say it and when they're open. Yeah. And it's really hard to say the wrong thing to the right person at the right time. So who was yeah. the fortunate person <laughs> that the, the, right, the right or wrong thing to you, but at the right time, who introduced yeah. you? You know, my friend Sandy Lambert actually uh, had made uh, just a, what I thought at the time and was just a random Facebook post about, um, you know, this, this program that she was uh, doing and for health and things. And, um, and I was just like, I was totally ready for that because I just needed to have something happen with my physical, emotional health. But um, when I actually used the, used the products and things, we had great results. Fast forward a few months, and August 3rd of 2012, I decided I wanted to just have, you know, have her do a presentation, what's this business about. And my friend now, actually the person who was actually a stranger that she introduced me to was Wendy Backey. And uh, she came to my house and, you know, she's playing these cheesy videos. And I honestly vividly recall not even paying attention to the, the, the videos. I was looking at Wendy and I thought, oh, my goodness, why is she so happy and why am I so unhappy? <laughs> and, and I just kept watching her, and she was excited and enthusiastic. And, um, you know, after it was done, I just said, I'm in. I'm all in. And uh, I wanted to have not just, you know, you know uh, this financial, you know, benefit, but I wanted to just be happy again. And uh, everything that she was showing me and, and just her excitement was just like I needed to have it. So that was, that was the beginning of everything. <laughs> wow. Well, and really significant, Jennifer, that what you were looking for was to just be happy. If you think about, yeah. you know, why people join uh, any income opportunity or make any change in their life or anything that they do, whether it's, you know, getting fit or yeah. looking for better relationships or making more yeah. money or or following their dreams, what's at the core of that is people are just looking for love and joy and happiness. They're just looking for that that feeling of optimism and, and fun and energy in their life. And yeah. unfortunately, a lot of jobs don't provide that. Right. So beautiful. Tell us about your start. You 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 said you were all in, and you don't really you cheesy videos and whatever Wendy said didn't matter. But she was on fire, which you yeah. know that's a secret to success right there. 
if yep. you're going to present to people, doesn't really matter what cheesy video you you show them <laughs> or what you say. What yep. matters is are are you representing the opportunity when you talk to them? Are you on fire? So yep. that's what got you. So how yep. was your start? Tell us about you know what. What did you do your first 90 days? What kind of training did Wendy put you through? And yep. Yeah, so the first 90 days, honestly, it was – and it's, we always look back and we laugh about it because it was really ignorance on fire because we, we didn't really have a, an actual you know, specific system for, you know, training and things like that. But we, we, were, just, we were just on fire, excited. And uh, so I started off, I, I think in the first, oh, goodness, 90 days, I, I, of course, brought in my – sister and my sister-in-law and my good friend and my husband's cousin and, and all these things of people who, who I knew were just as, you know, hungry for something exciting and fun and, and um, more for their life. And uh, for the first uh, 90 days, I, you know, brought in those five people uh, to join me on this mission. And, and, uh, and it was just a, a really, really so fulfilling for me, honestly, just because I just wanted to do something fun with people that I love and care about, and uh, and it just started this whole real movement in my area, and um, and from there it just got even more and more exciting. The first 90 days was just more of a, you know, starting the fire and and getting getting the people I most care about to to join me, and and uh, and lots of uh, roller coasters since since then. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Cool. So one of the things that I found interesting, at, you know, I first learned about this uh, at the retreat uh, where I learned your story, which maybe we'll talk about more about that later. But yeah. you you personally enrolled a um, I don't use this word negatively, but a really abnormal number of people your first year compared to most. Mm-hmm four-year career heroes that we interview, how many people did you enroll your first year? I know. I always feel like we are kind of a strange bird, but um, I, we enrolled 10. I enrolled 10 people in my first year. Um, 10 people. Yeah, 10 people in my first year. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the end of your first year, do you remember how many people total you had on your team? That was it. I mean, the first 90 days was five people. The end of the first year was 10 people I had on my team. And I think a couple of those were actually by accident because they just, you know, went onto my website and signed up. I mean, um, on your total yeah. team at all levels. You know, on the, in the first year, it's so funny because I had to really, really dig on this. Um, in, our, in our entire team, we actually uh, – actually, you know, I don't even have the first year, Richard. I apologize. I just – I mean, I have right That's now right. just our total team members now is – just under 2,000 teammates um, in the yeah. last three and a half years. So I don't know exactly the full team in that first year, but it was, I'm sure, unusually low. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this, I think this is really valuable for everyone listening because too often on a hero call I'm interviewing somebody that personally sponsored 943 people in their first three years or some ungodly number of people and it's hard for people to see themselves doing that and I'm exaggerating most people are somewhere yeah. around 100 100 sure. to 200 people but the reason normally you need to enroll that many people is you're just you're you're looking for the people that are self-motivated and right. 
you know, everybody wants more money and everybody wants to be part of a movement, but wanting it and being motivated to do the work every day and build sure. a team or something else. And we find usually that that's about 5 to 10% of the people you enroll are actually self-motivated enough to do something. But you got a much higher percentage of your people that you enrolled to go to work. How did you do that? You know, honestly, I think it's just like even hearing you say the words, you know, just that you 5 to 10% of the people that will actually go out and do it. I think it was just, it really was ignorance to the profession of what, what does it take, what do you have to do. Um, we just, you know, started sharing and, and uh, uh, basically making sure that everybody was able to just duplicate what we were doing. And that was just, I mean, you know, presenting and just, um, I, I just didn't know better that as far as like, you know, that most, most uh, you know, companies that you're, you're trying to sponsor lots and lots of people, I just, I just held on to those few people that I had and just kept spending a lot of time with them. So in spending a lot of time with them, when you spend time with them, what did you do? What did you say? How did you yeah. cast a vision for them? How did you motivate them? You know, I just um, – we had gone, of course, to, to our dream conference and things, and I just wanted to, to show them that especially for, of course, obviously you can tell that they were all ladies that joined me, and I just wanted them to see that there's a possibility, a hope for being able to have some freedom in our lives because the, the people that I did um, have started off with me in the beginning were just looking for the same thing as I was, and that was to be able to have time and financial freedom, and it was really more, that was very foreign, you know, and so, so Wendy shared that with me, it was very foreign to me, I just thought you had to go to work and bust your butt for 40 to 50 hours a week and that was just the normal life and and what she was showing me was that that wasn't necessary you know that wasn't absolutely necessary that there was a different way and so when I was sharing that with the people these people that I most love and care about it we were so passionate about it that they just said I want that too and so we had you know our what we call better body parties that and you know 10 to 15 hours a week we were pouring into our businesses outside of our full-time jobs and um, just going to work and trying to share with some, the people that we love and care about, and it just duplicated from there, frankly. And um, I'm, even the word duplication, I didn't know what that meant until, you know, this business either. Um, but they just were passionate and on fire like we were. We, we were just consistent, and, and um, I don't know. I guess we were just so in love with the, what we were doing that it just, just couldn't, we just couldn't stop. Yeah. Well, you said a couple interesting things there, like uh, almost a throwaway line. You you were working, in, t in addition to your jobs, you were working 10, 15, 20 hours a week in the business, yeah. correct? Yeah, yep, yep. Every week? Every week. Yeah, and you know, I think that's just that's such a profound secret to the success yeah. in our business is for people to actually put in the time. You know, I was – coaching somebody yesterday around time management, you know, she's got two little kids and, you know, looking to build a business and where does she find the time? And so, you know, we isolated, she takes her daughter to homeschool, I guess like somebody else homeschools her sort of. And so she takes her daughter somewhere uh, at noon and she has a 30 minute drive home. That's all hers after taking her daughter to school and mm -hmm. we just talked about, like, how much you could actually get done in that 30 minutes 
especially if you were organized. Like, you know, how many people could you actually call in 30 minutes if you didn't have to dig around and look for their numbers or think about who to call, but you actually had their names? You know, yeah. I even suggested to her, you know, you know, get somebody, to, if you have to, get a, get a kid to become your executive assistant and <laughs> load your phone every day with the people you want to call including yeah. making their numbers a hot link in your phone. So all you have to do is push the number, and you're dialing for dollars. But in 30 minutes, you know, you could probably make, you know, six, eight, ten phone calls, leave messages for people, and at yeah. least talk to one or two people in 30 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And imagine what you can do if you actually did that every day and maybe an hour a day, an hour and a half a day, there's so much you can get done if you're just laser focused and yeah. motivated and productive and you know for you to just capture that idea of 10 to 15 hours a week every week you know if people can just get their head around what that can produce it's massive what it can yeah. produce and one of the secrets and I I realized Jennifer that you may not know exactly how you did it, but I just want people to hear that you did it, that who you were yeah. for your team was a constant ball of fire and energy and activity. And so if you're working 10 or 15 hours a week and they're working 10 or 15 hours a week and you're driving people to events, which I yeah. want you to talk about, yeah. um, you know, eventually it's going to work. And you might have been a slow burn your first year, but look at what it produced just three and a half years later. Look at yeah. how geometric progressions has resulted in a couple of thousand active people. That's a complete four-year career, yeah. three and a half years. So tell us about the Better Body events, because I know you had a really strong focus on customers and having yeah. people have a really successful experience with your product line. How did you do that? Yeah, you know, and I, I, one of the things that when I started, um, you know, the, the system, um, the Better Body system for, for Yoli, my, my experience and my passion came from my experience with the products. And so it, of course, will translate into when I started the, the business with my teammates was just that, you know, you want to have as many people walking around that are using the products that have the passion for the products because even if they never join your team, those people are going to be connectors with other people. And so, you know, making sure that we had lots and lots of customers. We had a very, we had a very strong foundation of customers because I, you know, was looking back at some numbers and I, I you know, I think 80% of our numbers that come through every week are, are customers. And so, you know, our, our focus on customers is because, number one, it's a little bit easier to deal with customers than, you know, you don't have to make them get to events. You don't have to have them working on personal development. You don't have to, you know, do all those things that, that you do with your business partners. But to have a real strong foundation of customers has been from, you know, really from the beginning, the very first um, full year of, of working the business. Um, but, again, like I said, it's, it's because I've already had experience that myself. And so once I had that and, and taught that to, you know, have my business partners start with that passion as well, it just completely went berserk in the last, especially the last couple of years, and it's been a true, true blessing. And um, I don't know if you mind if I digress a little bit, Richard, but when you're talking oh. about, like, the, the, um, the 
you know, organization of your calendar, I, I find that when I'm coaching the team that it's most beneficial because in the beginning that is really the hardest part of devoting your commitment is because when you're working a full-time job and you're a full-time, you know, you're a mom or a dad and you have kids' activities and all these things, it's very difficult. It can be difficult if you're not prepared and sitting down with your family and saying, you know what, we're going to do this, we're all in, this is what we're trying to shoot for. And um, what we call it is, you know, windows of opportunity and really taking out literally the calendar and highlighting the windows of opportunity that you have open to be able to spend time on the phone or spend time with your team or, or, you know, doing the presentations and things. And because I think that when we don't you know, take control of our calendar, then the calendar takes control of us. And so for any of you or your listeners, I, I just think that the biggest key in being able to have success is managing your time well. And, um, of course, there are things that come up all the time, but, you know, if you can block out windows of opportunity, you're going to have a lot more success than if you were just to go, you know, just without any organization whatsoever because things tend to get in the way. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to make sure I could share that part um, because I think that was a huge part of our success. Okay. And also tell us about the better body parties that you did yeah. that were just for customers. I found yeah. that to be a really great idea. Yeah. You know, honestly, when, when we do our, we call them BBPs, Better Body Parties, and um, so when we're sharing, um, you know, just like what Wendy was doing with me, even though I had already tried the product and I was, um, I'd never been to a quote-unquote party before, and so when she was sharing, of course, was, you know, share videos and things, but really um, f- leading with a need, we call it. You know, you're, you're, we're are finding out what the needs are for the people who are there, and we're offering a solution. And through that, all we do is just share our story. Because I, I find that, you know, people are more compelled to, you know, listen to what you have to say and find it, you know, believable when they can watch all these videos. But it doesn't mean anything if you don't have a story to back it up. So we yeah. just share our stories. And, you know, because it's people that I already brought in there that I love and care about, they're listening to my story. They're listening to Wendy's story. They're listening to Sandy's story. And so when we do that, then we, we have a very high percentage of people who say, yeah, let me try it, you know. So um, the majority of the people who um, enroll are truly for our area is a lot of customers that um, want to try to pr- try the product and, and um, see how they feel. And, and from there, that's where we find a lot of our business partners are people who already have belief in the product. Yeah, Awesome. All right, so tell us a couple of success stories. I'd like, to, like for people to hear about somebody specifically that you introduced to the program. Just give us a tiny bit of background on who they are and what they did for a living, what their initial perhaps response to you was, and then <laughs> how their success has unfolded the last three and a half years. So pick a couple of people that have built great teams with you. Yeah. Can you tell us some success stories? Yeah. Well, let me, I can tell you for sure. The first uh, person that comes to my mind is my twin sister. Uh, She knew that I probably tried everything under the sun as far as, you know, you know, for us specifically, it's just like, you know, weight loss and that kind of thing. And so she was very skeptical uh, but, again, when you're starting off sharing with the people who you most love and care about, you, you can say things to them that you <laughs> say, to, say to a stranger like, you're coming. You need to come and see this. It's so important for me to have you in the living room and listening to what this is about. 
And so when she started, she started off, she came in as a business partner with me because I demanded it, and um, <laughs> but she was very skeptical. She was an occupational therapist like myself and really had no interest in, quote, building a business because, you know, we, we were making a good living in the therapy world. Um, but when I, uh, let's see, five months into starting my business, the, my company closed. And so, you know, I had a choice. I'm like, okay, I have lots of therapy jobs. I could go do that. But I begged my husband, please let me do this. I love it. It's, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And so he said, Richard, you have two months, and you're going back to get a real job is what he called it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I can't wait for you to meet him someday because this real job uh, ended up two months later, um, our team went diamond, which, you know, means naming nothing to other people. But, you know, at the time, that was, it wasn't until that happened that my sister said, all right, let me take a look at this really. And so even though I had put her and brought her in as a business partner right off the bat in August of 2012, she didn't start anything until um, about February, March of the following year. Wow, so, nine months, eight, nine months later. Yeah, yeah. So, but when, so when she saw that, you know, I always tell people, make sure you're celebrating these things, you know, because the people who are watching, you know, it's so important to celebrate that because the people who are watching just waiting to see if you're really serious, um, they start asking questions. And so um, when she started, um, she started the same way I did. She already had product release. And uh, within... Goodness, I think it was about a year that she was she was diamond, and now she's you know joined me in the upper ranks with Yoli, and um, she's a blue diamond as well, and just doing amazing things. And now you know the the back to that whole time management part. You know she was working a full time job much longer than I was, um, as she was she was on this journey, and uh, she has four children. I was the wise one. I only had two, um, and. Uh, she she had to manage her time really well. And so the, the beauty of it, of course, is now, you know, being able to both have some time freedom and be home with the kids in the summer and take trips with them and all these things that we could never, never do in, uh, you know, corporate America. And so um, she was one of my beautiful stories, and I still hold it, you know, hold the, the drop the mic moment with her. Um, and uh, Before you go on to the next one, though, yeah. just for clarity, so okay. – when you say you got to Diamond and you celebrated that, what does Diamond mean, um, like, in terms of sales volume? Yes. I know yes. you're on so, a weekly, weekly cycle, but what would be the monthly yep. sales or approximate yes. income? So, so week to week, um, that basically week to week we, we have our volumes come through, and, and Diamond is just 10,000 or 20,000 in volume, um, 10,000 left, 10,000 right for Diamond. Um, and basically a monthly income somewhere between a hundred or a thousand to fifteen hundred a week. Okay, so like four to six thousand a month in income and about yep. eighty grand a month in sales, which is I mean, that's a four year career in itself. And then yeah. you said something really significant that you celebrated it. Exactly yeah. how did you celebrate it? You know, I, I know that people have different views on social media, um, but one of the biggest things that I stress to my teams all the time is, you know, celebrate, you know, um, gratitude and celebration for your, number one, your, your person who shared with you, but also celebrate your rank advancement for your teams publicly because, you know, there's lots of people who have been watching 
you know, even today, there's people still that have been watching for three years that never um, wanted to take a look at what it is that I'm doing and now are just coming through and saying, okay, now I'm ready. Let me hear what this is about because of the celebrations that, that Wendy and, and the team have um, shown. And so the same thing for Jeannie. Like when she went diamond, I celebrated her on Facebook publicly so that people who are watching, who may be strangers to me, that are people who are in her circle of influence, can see it so that she has that kind of social proof uh, yeah. that this works. All right. Tell us about another one. All right. So my other one, which was – Actually, it's really very comical because my sister-in-law, um, she too is in the same place as Jeannie. She actually works four or five different jobs as an actress and director of different shows, and she's an actress. Um, and she was uh, very skeptical, of course, because again, Mike and I tried everything. Um, and so she came in as a business partner because I demanded it. <laughs> and uh, so she and it had no interest in, share, in sharing the business, no interest in that whatsoever. Um, but it wasn't until probably, again, the same thing when I went diamond and she saw that happen. She's like, all right, this is, I'm like, I'm, maybe I'm interested in sharing a little bit. Um, but it's still for her, it was still yet another six months after that that uh, my, my husband, you know, basically told her, I don't even think you can do this. Why waste your time? And so that was kind of a button pusher for her. And she, so she got started sharing with her um, circle of influence again, and uh, she was able to uh, make a significant change in her lifestyle as far as income um, before, before she was, you know, down. She had a health, some health issues that came up, and, and uh, she wasn't able to work anymore. But she finally went diamond after a couple of years, and, uh, and she's, she was, again, you know, it's those people who can be the hardest, maybe your friends and your closest family. <laughs> Um, but, you know, even people who are skeptical, I say, are, you know, still able to do amazing things if they're inspired in the right way and uh, see that you're totally serious and all in. So, Yeah. Well, here's uh, something I've, I've always found uh, critically important to understand about skeptical people. Skeptical yeah. people are just people that have deep convictions in their beliefs and yeah. and the way they see the world. So when you go to them and you say, hey, i got this great thing, blah, 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 join me, and what they have, what they're skeptical about is that you have a better way, that you're right. They're basically people that believe that they are right, yeah. at least for themselves. They have a deep yeah. conviction about what's important to them, what they want to do with their life, and they're not easily influenced. Yeah. And... So unfortunately, most people's orientation to skeptical people is that they don't want skeptical people, that skeptical people yeah. are bad and, you know, they're haters and, you know, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't want to be around them. And yet, if you think about them differently, skeptical people are the absolute best people to have on your team. Yes. Because what's the number one thing that takes people out of the game? It's people telling people on your team it won't work. Yep. And skeptical people don't listen as readily yep. to the naysayers. Once they decide to do it, which might take them six months or a year to decide, but <laughs> once they decide, they're deeply convicted and they're not easily swayed to get out. Yes. 
Absolutely. I totally agree. And honestly, my, my skeptical people, because I have several more um, that are somewhere down in my team, that I find that they are, I mean, it's because they can empathize with those skeptical people, and they can, you know, say, I, I felt the same way, you know, and, yeah. and that just, that, that takes down the wall and puts them at ease, and they're my, you know, greatest, um, you know, uh, workers and, and my greatest teammates is because they just have no qualms with people who have that same attitude when they, when they hear about it. Yeah. yeah, for somebody to be able to say, I felt the same way, and it took me nine months to, you know, come around yep. and see it, that yep. makes the prospect who is skeptical just feel much more honored and part yeah. of the process, and yep. maybe they won't take nine months to come around. So, right. <laughs> uh, next question, Jennifer. What is the what is the biggest mistake that you've made in three and a half years? Maybe you made it one time. Maybe it was something you said. Those kind of fall into the category of the biggest mistakes I've ever made or things I've yeah. said. <laughs> uh, or maybe it's something you did. Maybe you did it or said it one time, or maybe you did it over and over and over again. What's your biggest mistake? And maybe it didn't cost you business. Maybe it cost you health or integrity, or maybe it cost you a superstar, or maybe it cost you momentum in business. What's the biggest mistake? Yeah, you know, uh, one of the biggest mistakes that I made in the beginning um, was not realizing that I couldn't want success for certain people more than they wanted to have it for themselves because I spent probably after our, after our team went diamond and, and um, I think it was somewhere around, gosh, a year later maybe at, at our conference in um, August that um, we had actually gone double diamond by then. And from there, for some, you know, of course, this is people call that the dip, from what I understand. That from August of uh, that year, for good gosh, six months, I, I remember life happened to a couple people on my team, and I I got in a funk, and so I was so stuck on the frustration of wanting this this these couple people to do something that they weren't willing to do that I let myself kind of get my own mind in a funk and, and, and I just, you know, stopped. I stopped uh, sharing and talking and the excitement and enthusiasm was, was, was low. And, you know, and, I, and the more I thought about these couple people, the more I just got stuck. And, and so, you know, one of the things that I, I have found for people is just that that now I, I can look back in retrospect and say that was good for me. I needed to experience that so I could realize that, um, you know, you you can get stuck there, and some people just never get back out of that, you know, place. And I think that's where people end up, you know, quitting is that they just can't get past this one or two people who, who don't, you know, aren't as excited and enthusiastic as you are. Um, and so after after that first six months of you know being in a lull, I, I just got a kick in the butt from basically my husband, um, you know, just saying, you know, you move on, keep going. You have to reach more people and, and reach out to more people and, um, or you're going to, well, he actually said, you're going to have to go back and get another job. <laughs> and so, you know, he, you know, it was just, it was one of those things where I, now looking back, I, I, I hope that my, you know, journey can be of value to my team and other people's teams that, 
you really have to stop wanting it for people more than they want it for themselves. If life happens, life happens to all of us. And if, and if they're not going to you know, be able to get out of that, you have to keep moving forward and don't allow yourself to um, you know, be impacted by just a couple people. Um, and that turns things, turns things around completely. Ever since then, we literally have been you know, going off the charts. Every single month it just keeps getting better and better. And, but, I, but I just think that was probably divine intervention for me to have to experience that and realize that you know, everyone has to have you – know, even that part of my story matters for people. And, and, um, and I, it just helps me to grow, hopefully, a, to be a better leader, and, and I'm grateful for it. So. Yeah. So I'm curious. I think listeners will be curious too. Uh, when you were in the funk, what is the story that you made up and told yourself yeah. that took you out of action? Yeah. It's funny that you would say that, Richard, because uh, when um, I was able to spend the weekend with you two, uh, you and Kimmy, I just that was one of the things where, you know, on the plane home I thought about that. And, you know, when, when this happens, I just remember telling myself, it's like, you know, but but I was so excited, and why aren't they listening to me? And why is my you know excitement not the same for them as it was before? And I just kept like going down in this spiral, this spiral, this spiral of I'm not good enough. They're not listening to me. This isn't this isn't going to be for me. It just kept getting worse every day with like you know this this self talk that was just so negative. And I and I decided that you know after I listened to you guys, and then I was. Um, you know that it was just what they call what critics mass. You probably you probably taught on that. I don't even remember who taught on that, but basically having you know hundreds of people who are like, oh, this is so wonderful, and then having one or two people who say, oh, you're terrible and this doesn't work. That that was what I was focusing on. I was only focusing on the negative. I was only focusing on the fact that these two people decided that this wasn't for them, and it was stealing number one all my joy. But it was also making me think that I couldn't do it, that I wasn't good enough. And uh, so I'm thankful for butt kickers to get (laughs) for butt kickers to get us out of that hole. (laughs) Well, it's interesting that your husband knows you well enough to know that all he needs to do is threaten that you have to go back and get a job, and that (laughs) changes your story. I am psychologically unemployable from what my one of my friends can out said. All right, what's the smartest thing you've done? You know, the smartest thing I think I've done, honestly, is just to stop trying to be all wise. Stop trying to know everything there is to know about a compensation plan. Stop trying to know everything there is to know about, you know, how the products work and trying to be the expert and just keep being excited, enthusiastic with the teams and with our customers. Um, that is number one, giving me so much more peace because it's a lot less um, overstimulating for my brain. Um, but also, it's just attracted and drawn more wonderful people into my life um, by just sharing the excitement and enthusiasm more than anything else. And so, I, you know, I don't know what other you know companies have or do, but I think the biggest key is just to be able to attract people. Don't try to, you know, know it all and, and be the expert and share all your, you know, wisdom because to me it, it just scared people away. Um, so just be excited and joyful and, and uh, keep sharing. Yeah, okay, super smart. Um, 
So let's talk about personal development. I know that has had uh, a big impact on your leadership and your yeah. your path. What have you done along your journey? What have you studied? Who have you studied? What have you read? What have you listened to? What have you done that's been transformational for you? You know, this has been such a uh, – this personal development journey, honestly, when I was um, – started off, I didn't even know what that meant. I mean, you know, if, right. if, people, if people actually did this in corporate America, we'd have so much of a happier world <laughs> um, and, and taking responsibility for, you know, ourselves and our responses. And, and I have found that, you know, the personal development has been such a key to helping me to realize that, that you know, starting off every day with gratitude it just changes your whole outlook on life, and and when you can, when people can do that, that you know, of course, I I study the Bible number one, and number two, um, you know, being able to meet people like you at uh, these different events and things, um, you know, that that the personal development journey is, is the biggest part of your whole journey is changing how you perceive life, how you perceive yourself, how you put yourself out there in the world um, to be a better you know, person to be able to respond instead of react. And there's just so much stuff that I've learned, and I, and I think it's, you know, the, the best thing that I've done for my teams is to just pour into them and, and more just asking a lot of questions. You know, um, I think our self-talk is, is huge in our, in our um, life, as you taught me. Um, you know, self-talk is it can, can destroy your entire business like, it, like I almost tried to do myself. Um, but if, if you can try and uh, keep working on yourself and just becoming a person who people want to follow, um, I don't know. I just think it's been a huge, huge difference for me. And I always tell my team, one of the most important things I tell my team to me is just, you know, what are you full of? When life bumps into you, what spills out? You know, and that's a big thing I have on the front of my computer is just, you know, the way that we respond to people. And no matter what happens, good and bad, because you're going to have positive people and you're going to have skeptical people. But how you respond to them and, and things that happen in your life is going to be what really brings more amazing people into your path. So, I love that. What are, you, what are you full of when life bumps into you, what spills out? That's yeah. Uh, I've never heard that before. That's really beautiful. Yeah, and it's just so true. I mean, when I think about it, it's like, you know, when I when I would work in corporate America and knew nothing about personal development, I would just freak out. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I used to freak out and be just, you know, not a nice person to be around in, in now looking back in retrospect. But now, of course, things happen that, you know, that I might not respond well, but I try to do every day, just be a little bit better about being aware of, Who's showing up, right, Richard? Is it that, yeah. you know, that child, that petulant child, or is it you know, the person that I want to put out there in the universe? And so that's been a huge impact. And, and so I, I say to, to everybody, just keep working on you, and that's, that's what's going to help expand your, your world and your impact on the world a lot more than, than uh, anything else. So, so you and Wendy uh, showed up at a Bliss Leadership Retreat, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wish I would have had that first hour captured on video when I asked you to, what are you doing here? And you were like, well, we don't know. We just decided to show up. So tell us that story. Uh, why did you come to the retreat? And 
Um, what did you get out of it? You know, oh my goodness. And I know if Wendy's listening to this call that we just laughed, uh, you know, the whole way home and even after we got back about what, you know, literally we were the petulant child showing up to your, the retreat because we thought we were looking for, you know, how we're going to be these amazing leaders and how can we improve our, our leadership skills and all these different things because neither one of us has had a background in, in, in this business. And when we, you know, we started off the weekend with asking, you know, personal life and, and questions like that, we, we literally were such brats. I don't even know how else to say it. <laughs> we were complete brats, Richard. And we were like, oh, gosh, after the first half of the day, we were like, should we leave and go just look at the, the beautiful sights? <laughs> and, and I'll never forget when, when uh, you know, we spent the time and we were li- you know, listening to other people's stories and, and, you know, you were asking these questions and I could not believe the emotional, <laughs> the emotional responses that you, you know, pulled out of me that I never even saw coming and how, how powerful that was for me in, in the end when you just pulled it all together and I just, I ugh, I can't believe what an impact, even since coming back, and what, what was it, just earlier this year that I just, I, how much of an impact it's made on how I am present with my teammates when they're talking instead of trying to move forward in my head of what's the next thing I'm going to say. Um, I still, I'm a work in progress. Um, but also how I just am interacting with people and, you know, who's showing up and, and um, you know, why people are responding the way that they're responding. And it's just taught me so much about leadership. I just wasn't expecting it to come that way. And so I am truly forever grateful to uh, you and Kimmy for putting us through that and, and letting us brats show up for the first half day thinking we knew, the, knew everything in the world. And to, to show us that, you know, what, how it is to be a, a good leader is to just know yourself better, you know. And so that was, that was amazing and powerful, and I, I, I just want everyone to experience it. And uh, only, just maybe not as bratty as we did. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, you know what, it's, 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 like, your, it's like your slump, Jennifer. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for anything to have that be part of your experience at the retreat and my experience at the retreat. I, I, I'll never forget Wendy sitting in the chair, like staring me down, like <laughs> <laughs> she was there to take me on for sure. And, and I, I didn't, I don't think I said it to her, but I, I wanted to say, so you paid $6,000 to show up here and take me on? <laughs> Well, I'm glad you got. I'm glad you got something, uh, some lasting value out of it. Um, so, in our remaining couple of minutes, uh, two things. The last thing you get to do is ask me a question, but now you can't think about what that question is because you have to answer a question for the listening audience. So, for perspective, Jennifer. The reason I do these calls is I believe, as I know you and Wendy believe, that, that belief is everything. That yeah. with, with it, you know, desire is meaningless. It's nothing. It's like it just doesn't matter. Everybody wants to be happy and peaceful and have loving relationships and have 
financial freedom. Everybody wants to earn $25,000, $50,000 a month. I mean, who wouldn't? Even people who aren't materialistic, if they think about it, they can do more good in the world, they can serve more people, they can be more generous the more money they have. It's not desire that makes a difference. It's believing you can do it here. Yeah. And so what I've experienced is, you know, the more different ways people can hear, different ways people can hear that it's been done by different people with different belief systems and backgrounds. And, you know, if, if you can do it from Iowa, you can do it from anywhere. And belief is the key. So the, my vision for these calls is, yeah, there's you know, maybe a few hundred people listening live. But more importantly, uh, over time, you know, I still listen to stuff that was recorded 20 or 30 years ago because huh. most of this kind of stuff is timeless. Yeah. And, you know, Jim Rohn did a, a live event probably 20 years ago. It's, you know, probably one of the most listened to CDs in our entire profession and because it doesn't matter when it was done. People I trust will be listening to this interview, people all over the world. Yeah. Um, that are in that place where, of course, they want to be successful. But what's holding them back is the story that they're telling themselves and the story that they believe about what's possible for them and, and their team. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is, is if, you had, if you had just a minute or two to talk to that person, maybe it's somebody listening to this, seven years from now in some foreign market somewhere and what they're struggling to do is to believe they can do what you've done. If you were the last person on the earth they ever got to hear from, like you had to either make the difference for them or not, what would you say to them? Wow, that's a heavy burden. You know, I I think I have found more. Um, one of our one of our founders always tells us, you know, you be, you become what you think about. You know, Earl, Earl Nightingale, and that was very powerful for me. And so, with all of your listeners, whether they're you know having you know mediocre success or they have a lot bigger dreams and goals that they're looking for, is I always say that it's going to be a lot more um, effective for each of us individually if we have something to um, pay forward, you know, once we're not here anymore. And I say, you know, to my team all the time, you know, you're, you're not just creating, building this to create a legacy for your, yourself, more money and more stuff and more of these things. You're, you're create, you can create a legacy for your kids, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, all those things if you would just get out of your own way and stop, you know, sowing a seed of, of, of doubt and fear and all these things that we keep telling ourselves, if you were, you're, you know, sitting there and you're trying to teach your children, then li- live it. You know, we, we, we teach our kids how to ride a bike, Richard, right? We expect that they're going to fall down. Why is it that we go out into the world and live our life, we, we spend the majority of the time in terrible self-talk and doubt and fear? What kind of legacy does that leave for our kids? Because I think all of those things will duplicate 
the good and bad. Sometimes the bad duplicates faster. But I think that if we can start, start living our life in a way that if our kids are, are going to do the same thing based on what they see, then we would do things and just expect to fall down and teach them how to get back up, right? Have more positive yep. self-talk. Have more belief. Have more, you know what, if I fall down, it's okay because I'm going to get back up and I'm going to go do it again. I don't, I, the, worst, the worst thing that I can ever, ever see is not just that I don't, if I don't, wouldn't, you know, do amazing, amazing things financially for my family. It's that I would teach them, you know, I would teach them perseverance and persistence and you're going to fall down, but you have to, you know, get up again and you have to problem solve and you have to do all these things. If I can teach my kids how to do that, that to me is going to create a bigger legacy than any millions of dollars in the world. So if there's anything you can do that could help you get out of bed every day and keep pushing forward, just pretend like you're doing it for your kids because all of us know that we would do anything for our kids. Yeah, and it's uh, it's like break the cycle. Yes. And, you know, one of the things yep. we talked about in the retreat is, you know, the greatest influences on, on our belief systems are our parents. And yeah. in most respects, you know, that's those are really good beliefs they instilled. But in in some respects they can be totally limiting because perhaps our parents never put themselves in a position to embrace opportunity and create a huge paradigm shift in in their economics and, yeah. and their leadership. Um and maybe they did, but maybe they didn't. And, you know, so to the degree that they may have left us with some limiting beliefs, you have to ask, well, where did they get their limiting beliefs? And that would be your grandparents. Yep, yep. And, and, you know, it just sort of, the cycle just sort of continues. And it's a beautiful, extraordinary thing to think that, that we can, as parents, be aware enough of that process and aware yeah. enough of how powerful our words are yeah. that we can totally reinvent the cycle and and uh, empower children that who in turn empower children yes for you know, sure so to wrap this up jennifer you get to ask me a question you go ahead. All right. I wish I would have known because I would have planned really well. You don't get to plan. <laughs> I have a lot more than just one. No. Um, you know, I, I am curious to see how you handle um, situations in your business or people in your business um, that don't have – currently the ability to take 110% responsibility for their own business and seem to find a way to, you know, either blame it on their sponsor or their team or their geography, whatever it might be. How do you, how do you empower those people to realize you have to take 110% responsibility for your business? Great question. Um, and here's how I'll answer that. What I have found is – Dealing with those kinds of subjects one-on-one with people where, you know, perhaps you are somebody on my team and who you are is you blame other people, 
you look for the easy way to get something done, you look for other people to do what's your responsibility, um, you complain a lot, um, you know, you gossip about other people, you, you're ju- you just basically have typical neurotic behavior, <laughs> which, you know what, people can get away with yeah. in a normal life where, you know, they have maybe a circle of, you know, eight or ten friends and, you know, they have family that tolerates anything they do and then, of course, the family talks behind their back. But <laughs> they have a job where, you know, the culture of jobs today is it's harder and harder to not only be held accountable for your performance in a job, it's harder and harder to get fired. And so it enables people's neuroses, their, their bad habits. But, if, but what I found doesn't work is for me to sit down with you, Jen, as a leader on my team and say, okay, basically here's what's wrong with you. Here's, you know, where you're like, negative and and a gossip and a blamer and you don't take responsibility for stuff and you're always looking for me to do your work um you know those kind of conversations obviously don't land well because you're talking to somebody that doesn't take responsibility (laughs) and so how can they hear a conversation about taking responsibility and but here's what does work is to create a leadership culture with your entire team where you speak about these subjects uh, conceptually mm-hmm. uh, and culturally. Like, here's what we're building. Here's what I, here's what I want to build. I want to build a team that embraces these, uh, these ideolo- ideologies. I want to build mm-hmm. a team that you know, that treats each other this way and, and, a, and t- a team of entrepreneurs that thinks this way and acts this way. And this is what it takes to be successful. And my commitment to you is that I'm going to model these behaviors. And I'm going to encourage you all to model these behaviors. And, oh, by the way, I'm really only going to work with people that model these behaviors because, you know, modeling the old neurotic you know, I get away with this in my job and my family and my small group of friends because nobody calls me out on it, behavior, that's just going to suck the life out of me as a leader, and I'm not going to be able to build a great team with you. So these are the people I'm going to be working with. These are the people Mm -hmm. I'm going to be championing. These are the people I'm going to be recognizing. These are the people I'm going to be running with is people that act like adults and act like leaders (laughs) and champion people and empower people, including themselves, and they take full responsibility for their actions, including acknowledging when they did something stupid and, yeah. and destructive. And you know what? If you acknowledge it, I'm going to hug you, and we're going to move on. And if you yeah. don't acknowledge it, I'm going to avoid you because you're toxic. But you're not talking to an individual. Yeah. You're talking to the team in terms of um, you're casting a vision about the culture that you mm-hmm. want to create there. So what it allows is for each individual person to save face and to consider the possibility of stepping up 
without being attacked personally uh, and without feeling like you're talking to them individually even though they know you will be. It just gives them an out. You know, the Japanese built an extraordinary culture by just having as a fundamental rule in dealing with each other to the grace of allowing people to save face. And if you allow people to save face, if you allow people to step up on their own initiative without being stepped on, they'll rise up in, in many occasions. And then the other advantage is if you get in a situation where you really do need to have a conversation with somebody one-on-one, you're not, you're not giving them a set of rules that, you, that they might think you just made up to pick on them, but you can reference, hey, this is our culture. So, uh, you know, in Bliss Business, we even have a set of, um, you know, sorry to steal it from the Bible, but we have a set of the ten cultural commitments. Mm-hmm. They're not commandments. Yeah. But there are ten of them, and they're commitments, and they're all about the culture. And so what you can, you can reference that with people and say, look, you know, here's, Here's the things that we've talked about that are important in leadership. And, you know, in this particular instance, where do you see where you might have stepped out of line? Beautiful. And so you have something um, that people can reflect on that's, that just allows them to save face. That's the best way I know how to do it. I love it. Beautiful. I'll be looking for those. Thank you, Jennifer. Hey, thank you, everybody at Bliss Business for attending, listening to another extraordinary call with Jennifer Furness and Yoli, who's built an extraordinary four-year career, and she did it by loving people to death and championing people and empowering people and driving those legs to China, literally. And whether you're listening live or you're listening years down the road somewhere where you're alone and you're concerned about believing, step it up, step into Jen's shoes. She did it from Iowa. You can do it from anywhere. Thank you all for joining us. Good night. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. Pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying, yes, the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. 
Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue. 